Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out at Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. So we were looking at legacies and the legacies that we have uh, to share with one another and what we learn from one another. And with that in mind, we're going to hear this legacy of a hero that is passed on. This is in Judges. This is um, chapter 16, and we're going to look at uh, verses 23 through 31. So hear now the word of the Lord. The rulers of the Philistines gathered together to make a great sacrifice to their God Dagon and to hold a celebration. They cheered, our God has handed us Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, our God has handed us our enemy, the very one who devastated our land and killed so many of our people. At the height of the celebration, they said, call for Samson so he can perform for us. So they called Samson from the prison, and he performed in front of them. Then they had him stand between the pillars. Samson said to the young man who led him by the hand, put me where I can fill the pillars that hold up the temple so I can lean on them. Now the temple was filled with men and women. All the rulers, the Philistines were there and about 3,000 more men and women were on the roof watching as Samson performed. Then Samson called out to the Lord, Lord God, please remember me. Make me strong just this once more, God, so I can have revenge on the Philistines. Just one act of revenge for my two eyes. Samson grabbed the two central pillars that held up the temple. He leaned against one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. He strained with all his might and the temple collapsed on the rulers and all the people who were in it. So it turned out that he killed more people in his death than he did during his life. His brothers and his father's entire household scrabbled down, carried him back up, and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the tomb of his father Manoah. He had led Israel for 20 years. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So we had a dinner last summer in which we asked the people that were invited to that dinner three questions. And the third question that we asked them, they all struggled with. And that question was, what do you want your legacy to be? And I think the resistance was, who am I? Who am I to leave a legacy? What, why would I assume that that would be something that I could do? And we've been discussing that uh, since that dinner in our finance committee, and we have reflected on the question, are we doing enough as a church to help people make intentional, faithful decisions, to help them think about the legacy that they are going to leave? Because the reality is we all leave a legacy. We all pass things down to the generations to come, and some of those things are bad. Some of them are accidental because we didn't think about it. And some of them are good. And a lot of it has to do with what happened when we made choices that we made. Sometimes we made bad choices. Sometimes they seemed like there was no reflection at all and they were accidental. And sometimes there were good choices. The results of those choices and those who have witnessed those choices create part of the legacy that we pass down. 
But we are also shaped by the legacies around us. First of all, we have inherited those same sorts of legacies from the people that have come before us. And then we have a cultural legacy that surrounds us, that shapes us, that molds us into the people that we are meant to be or the people that we will be. So today I want us to consider the cultural legacy idea through the lens of what makes a hero. And I want us to do a little bit of comparison and let's start with what made a hero in the ancient world. Let me recall for you some of the heroes of the ancient world. Hercules, not the Disney version. Odysseus and Samson are heroes of the ancient world. And these are some of the characteristics that those heroes share. They are incredibly physically strong. They can have any woman they want with or without her permission. They are entitled to all kinds of things and the rules do not apply to them. They can make their own way and they are in many ways their own law. They seek their own glory and it is through that glory that they will most likely achieve immortality. They are deceptive and revenge for them is not only acceptable, it is an act of justice. Now, do we view heroes that way now? We have some residual realities of that. Some of those understandings of a hero do remain with us still today. But for the most part, what we would envision as a hero would be the opposite of what I just described to you as heroic. In fact, I was reading a study on Samson one time, and it described Samson as the Bible's suicide bomber. Because he kills a bunch of people in his death. And so we actually see heroism in very different ways. In fact, we would affirm that physical capability is not a requirement of being heroic. In fact, some of the most heroic people that we lift up these days find their strength in their weakness. Find their strength in their struggles. We are much more likely to lift up a hero who is a servant, who is kind, who is loving who seeks the good of others, even above their own good. And if that person has power, they set it aside, or they use it for the benefit of the community. Heroes encourage and uplift those that are around them. We're going to, about to see a video here of a couple of people that I think are heroic, and they would not describe themselves as heroes, and that in itself is part of the reason that they are. This is Scott and Joe Rampy, and I'm going to let them share with you a little bit of the work that they do. It basically started with Joe in 2011 wanting to do a, a triathlon. Um, she has relapsing or emitting MS, and the, the beauty of that condition of MS is you have ebbs and flows and disease, and this is a period where she was you know, having really good health and mm-hmm. biking and running and, and doing all the things. And she's like, honey, I want to do a triathlon. I see all the fun you guys have with your friends and all the stuff you guys do. Could you guys teach me to swim in about two weeks? And we're like, well. In about two weeks? Yeah. Whoa. Uh, yeah. The pool is going to close I, in two weeks. I guess, okay, I guess okay. We could. So she started training. Two weeks later, we went to the pool that morning. She thought it was just she and I were going to do this triathlon together. Mm-hmm. And by then, the word had gotten out in the community. 
uh, we had, I had actually reached out to my daughter because I had heard what was going to happen. I said, you guys need to come back for this. This is going to be really, pretty cool. And there was, you know, a couple hundred people there at the pool waiting oh, wow. for her to, to do her triathlon. At 5 a.m. <laughs> at wow. 5 a.m. Wow. <laughs> I was just waking up and ran into over 200 people that I knew, but more that I did not know, new friends. At the end of the triathlon, she came across the finish line. Her daughter had raised a uh, thousand bucks of seed money through nine uh, close friends of ours. Yeah. And we presented her with a check when she crossed the finish line to start our foundation. So our, that, that was the start of it. My yeah. finish line became my starting line. I was the chief encourager yeah. officer of our foundation that day. Multiple yeah. means many. Sclerosis means scarring. So there are scars that are appearing on the neurological system of people with multiple sclerosis. And to think that we're making a difference in that somehow, some way, every time somebody registers through the house we celebrate, it's like, oh, so-and-so registered. She's <laughs> going to come back and do it this year. It's a celebration. The other piece that's really fun to see is the enthusiasm the research doctors get out of coming. Because yeah. most of the years, you know, aside from COVID, the research doctors that we support around the country are there. And this mm -hmm. year we had four doctors there that we support, two mm -hmm. uh, UMS and Northwestern up in Chicago. And they're just like, this is so amazing for us because, you know, we're stuck in labs. We're behind microscopes. We're, you know, in our, doing our thing in our, our laboratories. Mm -hmm. So they get a real jazz inspiration mm -hmm. out of seeing people race for their benefit. Man, I just I come back to the research when you think about you know a thousand dollars started this organization and and we've given away about eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars by the end of this year is about about the number we've given away. Joe and I and, and people that work with us in our organization and our board we're all charged to try to you know leap the foundation forward but I feel like God placed this in our hearts you know years ago mm -hmm. and it's a it's a heavenly thing and we're just as earthly instruments to right. make it happen I mean it's what we're called to do you know while we're here on earth yeah um, so I think faith is the driving force behind what we're doing faith and hope <clears throat> there's a lot of hope involved in what we do uh -huh. we want to make a change want to be a part of a change my Mantra is hope because it stands for help one person every day. Yeah. And when we see those people come in with their ideas, helping them help us, and it, it's just reciprocal. Right. But I really think that's the underlying principle of maybe any legacy. Hopefully, I, I think that could you know, be what the legacy is that we would leave her behind. Mm -hmm. Is that people say, man, I can make a difference in my community. I, I can go, you know, help that person. I can help my family member. I can start a foundation if that's your desire. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what the scary word legacy means to me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I encourage you to watch that entire interview. It is out on our YouTube page right now, uh, and it will release on Facebook later on this afternoon and go see the work that they're doing. It, it's a little hard to tell because Joe coughs right when they say, but they have given away $850,000 to MS Research. And they, they talk in the, in the interview about how close they are to they think a breakthrough cure. 
when he talks about a legacy, the legacy that they want to leave is to inspire people to help one another. That is the kind of heroism that we lift up today. What led to the change? How did we move from that ancient hero understanding to this understanding of heroes that we have now? Well, I think the difference is Jesus. Because Jesus came into a world that very much affirmed heroes like Samson and Hercules and Odysseus. And he was, for the culture, a countercultural hero. He was one who set aside power. He was one who chose self-sacrifice over self-aggrandizement. He was one who chose to give instead of receive. He was one who chose love instead of hate. And he was one who sought resurrection and redemption instead of revenge and restitution. But I think that story was always there in God's word. Jesus definitively revealed it for us, but it was always present. Because if you read Samson's story, when the messenger of God shows up to Samson's parents, he's instructed to be a Nazarite. That is what God wanted for Samson And Samson is a pretty terrible Nazarite. He doesn't cut his hair, and that's basically all that he does to follow the Nazarite code. He drinks. We know he drinks because he had a big party for his supposed first wife. um, And that is not necessarily present in our translations, but it is in Hebrew. He's not supposed to be drinking. He's out there drinking. He also is not supposed to touch dead bodies. That includes not killing people. If you kill somebody, you have touched a dead body, right? And he eats honey out of the dead carcass of a lion. He is not a good Nazarite, but that's what God wanted for Samson. God knew Samson was wild. God knew Samson was unruly, and God tried to call Samson into a path that would have given him safer discipline. And yet, even in the midst of that, God does not abandon Samson, but stays with Samson, stays with Samson, even in the midst of the decisions that he made. So for me, I am so thankful to God for that definitive revelation of Christ and for that calling of God in all of us to be that kind of hero, a hero of love, a hero of grace. A hero that doesn't take but gives. I am so grateful. And I hope all of us will seek to be a hero. And will look to Christ to find the way. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. 
please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.